You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. What if your substance use, the addiction, what if it's not uh, evidence of brokenness, but evidence of strength? What if it is you taking care of you and your needs in the best way imaginable for you in this moment? I get it that it's not the way you want to do it and it causes all sorts of pain, but nonetheless, that's a story of survival, it's a story of getting my needs met, it's a story of getting through the day when getting through the day without those behaviors, those substances, Mm -hmm. is impossible. This isn't just another podcast with tips or tricks. This isn't just interviews with great artists. This is about finding the missing pieces that are going to help you make it as an artist. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, best-selling author, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. And this is the Performers and Creators Lab weekly podcast, helping you to find your edge. Ah, we've got Thanksgiving this week. So if you're someone that celebrates this holiday, then happy holidays to you. This is Holly Shaw. And I know that the holidays can be a stressful time for artists, for you and for me. You know, maybe you get maybe you get a lot of interrogation on the, around the holidays from your family about what are you doing with your life? Or maybe you don't see your, you know, maybe you're not talking to your family anymore. Maybe you're estranged and you don't have uh, anyone to share a meal with. So either way, it can be a time of joy and also a time of loneliness and hard times and missing family members that are no longer with you. You know, my dad passed away on Thanksgiving about 20 years ago. And my sister and I, uh, even when my dad was alive, we would often drink to excess during family gatherings. You know, like a family member or uncle or our aunt would say something uh, offensive and we were off-putting and we'd just, you know, give each other the look and we'd silently pour more whiskey or whatever we were having into the other one's cup. So I know that for some of us, for me and for others, that alcohol and other substances can be a way to cope around the holidays. And if you struggle with substances on a regular basis, then, and you're someone who's trying to abstain, I feel like the holidays can be especially tough. And so I have a special guest today from Evo Health and Wellness Addiction Center that offers some radical ideas around substance use and abuse. Now, we've all heard the prevailing story, addiction equals illness, and sobriety is the solution. But what if? What if there is a different story? there. This is Holly Shaw with the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. I'm actually sitting here at Evo Health and Wellness. It's an addiction treatment evolved. I 
think I got that tagline right, <laughs> right, Kavrush? Mm-hmm. Um, here in Los Angeles, well, as long as I'm here, I wanted to stop by and check out one of the most leading edge centers for helping people with addiction. And they also specialize in entertainers. So for all of you musicians, you performers out there, that um, actors, you know, who might struggle with substances, I think this is going to be a really fascinating conversation about something else. So let me introduce, introduce our guest. I'm sitting here with Karush Rasek. He's the founder. Now, Karush, you know addiction because you've lived it. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, my journey to become a therapist that specializes in working uh, in addiction is from my own struggles. Uh, decades of taking care of myself and my needs uh, in a way that involved every substance I could find. Yeah. So talk more about that. So you, uh, I mean, we, we don't have to go all into it if you don't want to, but um, what do you mean when you say take care of yourself? Because I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I use that language uh, very uh, specifically and on purpose. Um, it's certainly not the language that I would have used uh, when I first went into treatment. And, and I don't mind... Uh, sharing any part of my story. I'm pretty open about it. Uh, but it, it, it's part of Evo's approach and the way that, that I work with, uh, with folks is to recognize that um, people are always doing the best that they can. Mm. And they're taking care of themselves in the best way possible to them. From the outside to somebody else with a different lived experience and different options and ideas and values, uh, it may not appear as though that's a very wise choice or an appropriate choice. And certainly taking care of oneself uh, can look really unhealthy and can cause a lot of pain for that person and others around them. Um, but it is still somebody that's getting their needs met in some way. And in my case, there's a combination of things. Um, but if you sort of whittle it down to its core, there's just this deep sense and belief that I didn't belong anywhere. And everywhere I went, uh, uh, there, there would be pain um, because I was not good enough, I was not acceptable as who I am. And what substances did for me is allow me to be somebody else Mm-hmm. which was more acceptable, uh, and also to even diminish aspects of myself that I didn't like or that would be subject to hurt, to being hurt, uh, because I was under the influence. Wow. Yeah. You said something that I think really resonates with our listeners in general, which is artists always feel like they don't belong, or there's this prevailing sense of them being like the outlier, the outsider, mm-hmm. Um, and I think it makes for really rich art because you're in your imagination a lot if you spend time alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can feel very lonely um, to feel different, like you're from another planet, and that you're just misunderstood. Yeah, that's uh, you know, in in the last thirty years, there's been a lot of amazing research trying to figure out what is it that creates vulnerability for addiction, and we've looked at gender and race and socioeconomic um, resources and and they really can't pinpoint there's certainly disproportionate um, uh, disproportionate uh, addiction in disproportionate numbers in certain groups for sure 
But the one consistency that, that we find is this internal sense of non-belonging. This part that says, I'm an alien with my family, nobody gets me. Yes. Uh, that this world doesn't have room for me. That seems to be a, a constant or a consistent, regardless of your quality of parenting or the resources that you have or the privileges or even the traumas that you've experienced. It's so painful. Just hearing you say that, like, you mm. know, I think I can relate, so many of us can relate. And, it, and it's just so painful to feel that way, so misunderstood and frustrating. Frustrating as well, yeah. I think, you know, hugely frustrating. So I want to get into a little bit about what Evo's doing here because I think it's really fantastic. Now, we all know about the typical Alcoholics Anonymous mm -hmm. 12-step program, which has helped millions of people probably mm -hmm. all over the globe. That being said, I've always wondered, like, there's got to be something else. So, so how does Evo stand apart from that, and why did you choose to do that? So, yeah, um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, as an organization, I don't, I don't think there's any other organization on this planet whose membership will uh, attribute having saved their life in the way that people do with Alcoholics Anonymous. It's an amazing organization. Yeah. Um, and in the U.S. and in the sort of what we might call the Western treatment world, although Europe has changed about a decade ago, they started moving to a different model. Uh, all of our addiction treatment is really built on the early principles of, of AA. Um, and what's happened is where science has come in, um, it is built on those core principles, some of these ideas that were put forth by an organization that is spiritually oriented. Yeah. Um, and if somebody sees the world in a way and they go to an AA meeting or they go to a treatment facility that is AA oriented um, and they listen to things and it makes sense to them, mm -hmm. then it sort of organizes life and it gives them an opportunity to, to get that sense of belonging, that sure. sense of, of, of worth and purpose and all of those things that come when, you, when you're in a place where you feel safer where there's others like you. Yeah. And that is the common story you hear in, in AA. Um, there's a problem when people walk in, and that's not what happens. When people go in, mm. and the way that the, what goes wrong and how to fix it is explained, and there's a part of you that goes, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. And what's been happening is that is met with the, the response that says, oh, you're resistant. You're just not ready yet. Oh. Uh, you haven't suffered enough. You haven't hit your bottom is something that we hear oh, all the time. Jesus. And I think that's where we <laughs> deviate. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of other parts of the treatment world that deviate and say, wait a minute, maybe you've suffered enough. You're here. Um, and what if we're the ones that are being too rigid? Or that a, a model uh, doesn't have room for this kind of other idea around how life might be. Yeah. So the way that, that that idea sort of grew was through my own experiences. I'm somebody who uh, stayed in my struggle for probably 10 years longer than I might have if I had any options or I thought I had any options that weren't directly related to AA. I, part of my struggle uh, is spirituality and having grown up in a family that my non-belonging was tied to uh, spiritual and religious beliefs.
In a moment, you'll hear more of Karusha's story, and you'll get to hear about an alternative method for dealing with substances other than just sobriety. Artists United is a nonprofit organization inviting artists of every medium, every genre, every stripe to share and exchange knowledge, access high-powered collective tools, and embrace new ways of working together as a global force for good. Their mission is to empower individual artists to create excellent art and to unite all artists in order to create social change. Based in the United States, headquartered in Oakland, California, but their network and reach are worldwide. Artists who work alone create art artists who work together create change visit artistsunited.net to join their free membership and learn about their new social media platform you are listening to the performers and creators lab podcast Um, and so when I, when I ended up in treatment and lost everything and homeless and et cetera, um, I went to a non-AA treatment uh, facility that was completely AA, uh, meaning that uh, they, they delivered a scientific manual, uh, but everything in there was, came from AA. And they certainly recommended everybody go to AA meetings. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the treatment program went to AA. And I adopted the, that, those ideas because I was trying to belong somewhere in sure. my own experience. So fast forward in, in my, own, my training becoming a therapist, I started to come into contact with these conflicts inside, that very part of me that was still there in AA, that I didn't actually feel like I belonged there either, mm. but I had to adopt their beliefs because I needed yeah. a community, just like what was happening before. Mm. So I started running marathons and becoming a yoga teacher, doing all of these other things in the same way that I would use substances as a way of demonstrating my worth and you know, showing people that I do belong. Wow. Um, so fast forward in, in these really lucky training experiences, started to realize that there might be another way, that, that maybe the idea of uh, you have a problem, we have your solution, uh, isn't the right one. And it's, it, there may be room for other ideas that says, what if you have the solution in you? What if what you want your life to look like is possible? Um, and then, you know, 10 years later, here we are. I love that. And I want to get into, um, you know, working with entertainers because I think so many artists can, you know, they want to do things their own way. I, I mean, I know as somebody who works with them all the time, like <laughs> yeah. it's a little, um, it's challenging in a fun way because... They're very self-led, you know. They have the vision. They want to. Mm-hmm. They know what it looks like. They're in tune with themselves right. in a in a in a different way. And so it doesn't um, surprise me that this sort of approach came out of your experience, mm-hmm. and that it would be a great fit for artistic, creative people right. who are going to question everything. Well, isn't that the definition of creativity? Right. Isn't the definition of creativity is to create, to imagine, um, yeah. and then let that imagination then turn into something? Um, yeah. And so that, that is the, a core tenet of our program, uh, which is to really respect uh, an individual's imagined future life. Yeah. Uh, and then to attend to what is it that's getting in the way of that. Yeah. What is it that, uh, that keeps you from 
being an actor or an actress right. or a sculptor or a painter or an accountant or a father or a mother or whatever it is. What those very things that people are moving towards. What gets in the way of that? And how are substances or other behaviors, gambling, yeah. food, gaming, devices, yeah. how are those things serving a purpose in this struggle towards going where you're trying to go? And how are they limiting you? Yeah. And once we attend to that part of it um, and help folks towards their preferred life, then we sort of go, okay, well, what, what do you imagine substances looking like in your life? Those old behaviors, uh, do they fit? Do they not fit? How do you know if it's working or not? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting is the sobriety is not necessarily the goal here. Sometimes it is, right? Absolutely. Which um, is, I, I think that's like, what? What? So what? So I could, right. I could have a balance in my life with this substance and you guys would be cool with that? I don't have to leave here with my little chips saying I've been one week without it and yeah. I'm not a bad person if I have a drink. And I think this is kind of, it's crazy to me that it's radical, but it is. It's radical yeah. right now. It's a little crazy to us that it's radical, too, and it is considered radical um, yeah. by at least the treatment world. It's not so radical with a lot of big population of folks who professionals, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, mm -hmm. physicians, uh, who are silenced by this powerful story, mm. addiction, disease, sobriety, solution. Uh, and then everything else is dual diagnosis, and we'll help you along the way with other things, but let's right. just start with that idea. Um, and it's just frankly not true. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is it's not true all the time and it's not true for everybody. We all agree that the underlying fertile ground that creates a vulnerability uh, for addiction to settle in uh, is the, the cause of addiction. Group of people entering adolescence, pre-adolescence now, beginning to experiment with things, and people figure out how those things will fit into their life. Where they will drink or not drink, or what drugs they will use or not use, and what their sexual appetites are or they're not, and what kind of relationships they want to get into. And do they like video games or do they not like video games? Mm -hmm. Do they have gambling and that excitement thrilling for them, or is it scary? Um, and then there are other people who gain a secondary benefit. They use a substance or they engage in a behavior and it either gives them relief from something, some pain, whether it's echoes of horrible experiences or this enduring mm -hmm. sense of I don't belong, or they get something that they want, ability to be social in a way that's more acceptable mm -hmm. than the way they naturally socialize. Uh, and for those people, that vulnerability, that secondary benefit is what creates the, the possibility of addiction. What we say is if that's the case, and if everybody's agreeing with that, then what is it about the solution having to do with substances? It doesn't make any sense. In the treatment I went to, and in the treatment that is the dominant story, there's even this idea of a magical switch. There's a switch somewhere in the nervous system that when it trips into addiction, it can never trip back. I mean, that's the language that, that's used. <laughs> Um, but we've never been able to find a switch like that. Huh. This idea that you have a craving that is insatiable, and if you ever even, um, even uh, allow the, the fantasy of using or engaging in those behaviors to come back into your life, you're already in a relapse. That idea 
I even mm. call it it's a um, ideation brain drunk or oh. they call it brain drunk you can get really? brain drunk if you think about or ruminate about using that you'll actually get drunk again and, and there's truth to Isn't that. Isn't that a perk to our consciousness and how it works? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can get high just thinking about, you know, just going into creative spaces. Exactly. I get very, very high and I don't have to touch pot anymore. But just in the memory of that. That's right. Uh, and but that doesn't and necessarily mean your life is going to unravel. Right. This is, a, this is mind control. This is madness. I'm getting so passionate <laughs> as I'm talking with you about this. Like when you really break it down the way yeah. you just did, it sounds nuts. It sounds, yeah. it's nuts to think that, that it, we're, we're moralizing, we're judging this yeah. behavior and once, and you're labeling somebody as wrong, they go to treatment to try to become sober and if they don't manage to do it, if they're not successful, it's whose fault is it? It's their fault. And how is success measured? Right. right? Well, success is as long as I adhere to your idea around success. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't leave much room for my ideas. And I'm not suggesting that everybody can. What I'm suggesting, and what I mean by can, right. is can uh, reintegrate those old problematic behaviors into their yeah. life. What I'm saying is we just don't know. Yeah. This idea that we can predict everybody's outcome. And what we are noticing more and more, and what I've been noticing in my practice more and more, is the number of people out there who have had addiction, uh, and who have resolved that addiction, whether they're in treatment or not, and who have reintegrated one or more of those old behaviors or substances into their life, and they don't seem to think it's a problem, mm -hmm. but they're silent. They're silent until there's a safe environment to be able to say, yeah, you know, yeah, that doesn't seem to be much of a problem. I like to have a glass of wine once in a while, mm -hmm. or I still go to a, uh, a concert and smoke pot, or... I like mm -hmm. a beer with the ball game or whatever it might be. I like to go to the mm -hmm. desert and eat mushrooms, right? But I still have my job and my family, and, and, and in fact, it's a part of my life. Um, and you can see the nervousness in their face when they say that, yeah. even though it's a story of success. You never see nervousness in somebody's face when they're telling you about 10 years of sobriety. It's a, it's a powerful, celebratory statement. I have succeeded. And those two people may be having exactly the same life. Mm. But one is full of shame and secrecy, and one is full of celebration. Oof. When we come back, we'll talk about why entertainers especially have problems with substance use, about changing your habits from a place of success instead of failure, and more with Karush Rasek of Evo Health and Wellness. But now... I want to talk to you about your holidays and your little survival kit and how you're going to get through it. Did you know that I have free gifts on a podcast gifts page? Yeah. And on there, there is a mini course called How to Talk About Your Craft with Confidence mini course. So are you worried that, you know, old Uncle Schrudel and Aunt Minnie are going to ask you, so what are you doing? And you're going to be choked up, not sure how to answer, not sure how to talk about your art in a way that feels confident yet endearing. Well, that's exactly why I came up with this free course. This is a tool I used to teach all my students and all my groups. I used to charge for this material, but now I've put it all into a mini course free for you. All you have to do is visit the Performers and Creators Lab podcast gifts page to find the link to the free course, How to Talk About Your Craft with Confidence mini course. 
You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to consume it and start using it as soon as you hit the ground running with your family. So go to performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast with me, Holly Shaw. And now we're back with guest Karush Rasek of Evo Health and Wellness. Well, I want to talk about addiction and entertainment, mm-hmm. entertainers, the entertainment industry. Yes. So why do you think um, so many people in the entertainment and creative world turn to substances and, and form... I don't know if we want to call it addictions, but substance habits, I guess. Yeah. So that that's such a great question. The The, the truth is, my experience, so uh-huh. when I say the truth, based on my experience, mm-hmm. is that there's been a disproportionate number of uh, artists and creative folks um, looking for help and, and being in trouble relative mm-hmm. to others. So that that reality is something that, that we sit with. And, and in fact, that's why we've launched our Quit the Chaos, Keep the Gig series, yeah. where we speak with folks like you yeah. who are in the entertainment world so that we can learn more. Um, some of the things that we have learned, um, are, and, some, and then there, there are some things we've learned, and then there are other things that we've sort of conceptualized. One of the pieces that we've brought to the table is this idea of non-belonging, this outlier's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in a conversation we had before, you even spoke about schools and, and how arts and creativity, uh, there's, uh, I just forgot his name, I think it's Ken Edwards, Sir Ken Edwards, who's a lecturer and speaks about education. And he really, a prominent uh, a researcher in education, has for a long time said our school systems uh, in England, where he started his work and in the U.S., are all designed to squash creativity. They're designed to teach you how to do things in the way that standardized testing wants you to do it, uh, in a way that looks a a particular way so that you can progress through higher education. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what do you do? I mean, if you have any kind of a moderate amount of creativity and it's squashable, you can become quite a good student. (laughs) But if your creativity is too great, if you have too much creativity or it's not squashable, then you are left with pain. Um, and you have to attend to that pain in some way. And that's what I mean by the outlier experience. The folks that are, that, whose creativity is not, is, just doesn't allow them to conform, to become normal or average. Mm-hmm. So that's one piece I think is a part of it. One piece that I wonder about is uh, tied to this idea that in order to be a great artist, you must suffer. In order to be an artist at all, you must suffer. But somehow, if you're here in L.A. and you want to be an actor or an actress, uh, then you're going to have to work really bad jobs for really abusive people for very little money in order to pay your dues, right? you got to pay your dues. Uh, So suffering is some part of becoming uh, what you want to be. And if you want to paint, I mean, I work with so many families and... And even the most well-meaning families, the most accepting families, and their daughter or their son will say, I want to be a, a painter. And they'll say, well, that's, that's great. We really want to support you. And boy, how are you going to live? Mm. You don't really hear that if a, a kid says, I want to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. Go for it. You're going to make lots of money. You'll be great. Right. So even that, right, this idea of suffering is just so, so deep in there yeah. um, that I think it really just adds uh, to the struggle 
and the need to take care of oneself. Mm-hmm. With substances. Substances, yeah. sure. Substances, yeah. behaviors, whatever. Being one of them. Yeah, what you said really made me think of my son, who's 15, and at a certain point, you know, he's been around the arts with me as a dancer and um, art, around artists his whole life. And he was in dance. He loves to sing. He's very talented. Like, if mm-hmm. he wanted to do that, I feel like it's been handed to him, right? He's been seeing shows since he was a baby. He said to me one time, broke my heart, he said, um, yeah, mom, I don't want to be in the arts. I actually want to, you know, do something where I can make money. I want to make a lot of money. Right. So for him, he, even though I didn't try to give him that story, he equated it with, well, mom is in the arts, but she has another job because you can't make money in the arts, right. you know? Yeah. So it's very sad. Um, so is there any advice you have, you know, from... Um, from working with entertainers and artists um, struggling with addiction, for anyone listening that's that feels like, oh wow, until now I thought I was just an addict, mm-hmm. I know I need some help, what kind of first steps can I do on my own, or where should I go if I'm not in LA, or you know, what, do you have any tips for anything that a person could do? You know, I think the, if, I, if there was one thing, if I had that magic wand and I could make the one thing happen, sure. um, I think the one thing that I would change, the, the thing that I would try to, to stand against would be to, to think about, to begin to wonder, what if your substance use, the addiction, what if it's not uh, evidence of brokenness, but evidence of strength? What if it is you taking care of you and your needs in the best way imaginable for you in this moment? I get it that it's not the way you want to do it and it causes all sorts of pain, homelessness and and aloneness, literal aloneness for me. Um, But nonetheless, that's a story of survival. It's a story of getting my needs met. It's a story of getting through the day when getting through the day without those behaviors, those substances Mm -hmm. is impossible. Mm -hmm. So when we think about it in those terms, uh, maybe things can change. We no longer have to try to change our life from this place of failure, but we can build on this place of success and strength. I have never met uh, somebody who struggled with addiction who was weak. You can't be weak and deal with what, what that is. The consumption, the risks, the, the impact on the nervous system, uh, it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so if we were to take that power and channel it towards a different way, as opposed to think about it as taking the, that weakness and now strengthening it, mm-hmm. I think we would find people really able to begin to find their own way. Wow. Powerful, powerful, radical, but wonderful words. And Karush with Evo Health and Wellness. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And if, if I may add one more thing. At oh, sure. Evo Health and Wellness, we have an ethic of helping. So if anybody in Los Angeles or anywhere in the country or the world, um, if what you hear me say makes sense to you and you'd like to reach out, please do. You, you will get me on the phone and we will talk wow. and I will try to help. Um, I will try to help you find resources and begin to gain traction wherever you are. And if Evo is part of that equation or not, that's not the point. The point is that if this makes sense, 
you're welcome to call and you can go to evohealthandwellness.com and all the information is there. That's so generous and so awesome. Thank you, Karush. You're welcome. So wherever you are and whoever you're with and whatever you're doing for this holiday, I just want you to remember that you matter. Your work matters, no matter how you feel about it right now, no matter what arguments you've used to convince yourself, you know, otherwise, no matter what anyone says, what family member, no matter what's happening for you right now, you matter, your work matters. So if you're feeling really down, if you're feeling really blue, be sure to reach out, find someone to help you. There are people there are, like Karush and Evo Health and Wellness, and like myself, there are people out there to support you and help you. And I want to thank my family, my chosen family, for helping to make this Performers and Creators Lab podcast possible. Robert Cholino, Q Fortier, Erica Milligan, Tim Beal, Hannah Romanowski, Dan Cantrell, and Melanie Myers. All the music that you hear in this show is composed by Dan Cantrell. And thank you for listening to this show. Without you, I wouldn't be here. My name is Holly Shaw.